The winds of change are blowing, and it's easy to get lost and off track. Hi, I'm Renee Barabow, the practical shaman, Hay House author of Winds of Spirit, a wind whistler, and soul coat. This is a show for pioneers who want to learn to navigate the world with a chaotic spin awake. Practical shaman. Um, she's a wind whistler and award-winning, best-selling Hay House author. Renee is the go-to soul coach for innovative change makers, and, di- and she's a dynamic uh, spiritual keynote speaker. Uh, she injects humor and practical wisdom into her wind work workshops, and shamanism has been an integral part of her path to recovery, um, which began one night with a firewalk in upstate New York in 1987, and that was led by a nun. And with that, I will turn it over to um, the amazing Renee Barabow. Okay. Hello, everyone. I guess we're gonna find out whether or not I'm uh, a good keynote speaker or not. And it's really like, it's really humbling and an honor to be here with all of you today and to talk about something that's really near and dear to my heart. And I thought I would start with telling you what a shaman is, because I'm assuming I'm going to go to, you know, the, I'm gonna, if you know what a shaman is, you've heard about it a lot. Good. We're going to review it. So shamans uh, are really concerned with three primary things. They're com- concerned with the community, longevity, and individual healing. And we called this change and we were going to have it last week. And then we decided, well, you know, we think we'll wait until, you know, after, after the election, after the political upheaval that we were having in this country. And because one thing that shamans weren't really ever so much connected to is they were considered more on the priestly scale as not the political scale. And so that's kind of how I live my life. I try to bring harmony and balance to wherever I walk. And I think that is the true path of the shaman. And Christy was correct when she was talking about that, that I ended up, I quit drinking. My, my spiritual experience came when I opened my first restaurant. And the very next day, my father went and home and had a massive stroke. And, you know, we were doing cocaine in the basement and all of this, you know, every night after we're closing. And I realized that I could be dead too at at 52. And so that was, I really believe my first awakening was that I decided I didn't want to be dead. And for then when you, as a chef, what do you do? You work till eight, 10 o'clock at night, you work all day long, and then you're finding yourself in the bar rooms at night. And so I had to really change everything about the way I live because I grew up in bar rooms. My parents were bartenders and my father owned bars. And so I ended up at a fire walk out in uh, Norwalk, New York with a nun. And that's a whole other story because nuns, they like, unlike priests, they didn't get good severance packages at the end of their career. And so this particular nun uh, practiced Reiki and did work in the prisons. But when I had the, the, the fire walk, all of a sudden it transformed my perception, my, the way that I mean, if you think about fire, and this is this is the shamanic realm, if you think about fire, you know, and hot coals, I mean, because we were watching these fires that the flames were this tall, we were watching them burn for hours. And then the next thing you know, we're dancing across the coals with no burns to the bottom of your feet. And it was like, really, 
it was a mind altering experience. And I knew that this limited perception that I had of reality probably wasn't as accurate as, as that, that I had, had, you know, made up in my mind. And for me, it was a necessity because a couple years, I think three years after I quit drinking, I ended up in a, a lockdown institution because we took away the substances, we took away the bar room, we took away my dad, we took away everything. And there was, there was all that was left was the insanity. And the, when, when the door closed, you know, I was pretty in bad shape, but I knew it within a week when I was trying to run my restaurant from the, um, the hospital that I was on the way to recovery and I was going to mend in that a couple of really important things that I learned in the lockdown unit, because now we have dual diagnosis treatment, then you could go to Karen with no doctors, or you could go to the lockdown unit, was that mental health is a, a continuum. It isn't, we're not, we, it's, a, it's a something that we swing around in. And so for somebody who, who's had a lot of trauma in their life and a lot of abuse and a lot of um, tragedy, and addiction, there's, it's, it's a continuum that you need to learn how to balance yourself within. And when I was at the hospital, they gave me uh, lithium and Zoloft, but hmm. every day the doctor would take me out for a walk, you know, cause it was a lockdown unit in the middle of, um, I think it was, it was in Queens and we'd go around the neighborhood and he knew somehow this doctor was really bright. He taught me that I walking helped. And he also taught me that he taught me about how the mind worked. So by the time that I was 33, I had had two really great psychiatrists teach me how the mind fires and how the mind works. And one of the things that I learned was in the addictive mind, what happens is when the, the nerve fires, the excess doesn't get reabsorbed and it keeps firing and firing and firing and and so at that time and don't ask me why because i hadn't read any books yet i hadn't done any studies but i thought i was going to retrain the grooves in my mind to work better because what i noticed about the lithium is that my long 12-hour day in the restaurant began taking 14 hours and because I was tripping over myself and tripping over my own moods to get to the work. And so with the fire walk, and then I went to a soul retrieval, a shamanic soul retrieval class. And within a month of going to the soul retrieval class, I actually moved, I sold the restaurant and I moved to um, New Mexico where I had my actual first real vision where there was a, I swear to God, and uh, the only time in my whole life it's happened there was a there was this indian native american indian standing in my living room in front of me with a with a, a conch shell with incense in it blowing it west and within uh, within a couple of weeks i was moved to california where i i found a, a an anipi which was a native american lodge where i sat for 10 years and carried water and put on blankets and really developed myself and I was called as a shaman, but it doesn't mean that shaman practices can't have value for you in your life. Like I've had some dismemberment experiences where I was sitting in a lecture hall at the La Quinta Hotel, wasn't the West Coast Symposium. It was, and 
all of a sudden I was actually, this guy was talking at the front of the room. He started to rattle. I was dismembered. My friend had to carry me out of the room, basically put me into bed. And it was like that I had had a hysterectomy and that I was in bed for a few days after that. And those are shamanic initiations. And if you look in your life, think about some of the initiations that you've had in your life. You know, they could be near death, they could be the loss of a loved one, they could be, uh, you know, where, where you took that last uh, shot of heroin or something and it, it just about nearly killed you, where you had that awakening experience. And so for, the, the, the nice part about shamanism is it's, it's not a religion, it's a spiritual practice because shamans were here before religion. Um, my book in Winds of Spirit, what I thought I was writing a book. I wrote a book called The Shaman Chef, How Cooking Saved My Life. And my family didn't talk to me for um, you know a year because I had hung the, all the family laundry out to dry. And so when I wrote Winds of Spirit, I thought I was going to write a book for my coaching client called, I don't even remember what it was going to be called now, but and what happened was the winds started to speak to me. And what the winds told me is that we need nature-based traditions now. Because back 12,500 years ago when religions came in, and I, have, I love people who are religious, so I, I don't, if you have a religion and a spiritual practice or an AA practice or a practice, we're all, all in harmony. But what happened was at that time, um, where the shamans used to have a plethora of gods, including your table, your chair, everything was alive with spirit. But at that time, what happened was we came into society and said, there is one true God and all the rest of them are false, which has now created a lot of tension in our world, which is really kind of coming to a head. And it's what better time to embrace that everything is alive with spirit and everything is alive with God, as you want to call it, as the shamans have known since before we got divided into religious tribes. So I believe that nature is the way back to our wholeness and nature is the way back that we're going to find some healing. So, so, so no different than like a 12 step process the shamans had that, like their traditions, our common welfare should come first. Yes, our community should come first. So look around you, is your community in harmony? Because that's a really great place to start, but you can't start getting your community in harmony if we're not in harmony. And then, so in, in AA, there's one ultimate authority, a loving God or a God as you want to call it, again, for the shaman, the rocks and the trees and the plants and the, you know, the glass, they're all alive with spirit. So it is one authority. Yes, energy is that authority. And I called it the wind. Um, and the wind, truthfully, if those of you haven't read my book, Ruach, Holy Spirit, Nirvana, Om, they're all wind. So we took the sound of wind, we took the movement of energy, all the creation stories back through mythology have wind in them. So for me, this idea of having a relationship with the wind has really sparked my relationship with the divine 
and the divine in me because for years I'd be running, if what's her name put her offer up there for a tarot card, I'd be signing right on up. But now I take a wind walk and the wind tells me everything I need to know. And what is a wind walk? A wind walk is, so say you have, this is a tool. So say you have a, a question that you want to ask. Everyone have a question you think about? So what you do, this one requires going outside. And we're not going to go outside today, right now. So you can go out later. You go out the door. That's the first step of this. You ask the question. And then you wait until you feel a slight breeze or a gust of wind. You know, Brooke, you're probably getting the, you know, the hurricane gale forces at you. Certainly you get some good answers down there in that. And then you take a walk. And what happens during that walk, it's really a mindfulness-based meditation where you have an opportunity, you, you ask the question, and now the wind is going to talk to you and give you an answer. And a lot of my book was written that way. A lot of my book came about for me that way, where I'd ask a question and then I would wait for the answer. And one of the problems is we've become so rapid in our, our lifestyles that we can get an answer from Google that we've lost touch with that going outside in nature to get an answer is a little bit, takes a little bit more effort than searching on the computer. So we become a society where we think we can get answers right away. And, you know, when you start to redevelop your connection with nature, whether it be a walk in the woods, a fire walk, or any of those other things, you start to, um, you start to develop muscles. It's no different than going to the gym. You start to develop muscles. And so the, the um, and as I already said, the, the history tribes and clans were, were around a common language. So uh, in European, it would be based on the people who spoke this language of the wind. This would be the other ones. And it would be based on the language. It's no different than in a, like a 12-step program where you relate to people who are speaking the same language. So, you know, you learn a couple of terms here, a couple of things we're going to do, and then you can start to speak the language of the shamanic healers or the shamans or, you know, energy. Uh, one of the things uh, Natanya asked me, would you clear our chakras? Absolutely. Shamans knew the energy centers of the body long, long time ago. We're just kind of catching up on that. So we talked about this as being a, a, a time of great change. And what does that mean? I mean, you can look around and, you know, this has been a, a, a very disruptive year for most of us. I was supposed to be in, to go see the Passion Play in Germany this year because it happens every 10 years and it got canceled. This was a, a very disruptive year. So whereas I thought that was my greatest spiritual pilgrimage to go to the Passion Play, it was like, wow, the greatest sp spiritual pilgrimage of this year was to realize this was the year I wasn't going to go to see the Christ story and that they moved it back two years, which to me has to do with them, us resetting our clock. We started spinning way too fast and now we had to stop we had to slow our roll, basically, but we are nature. Hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, we are nature. The shaman said everything is energy. Everything is nature. We are that nature. 
We are not separate from one another. We're not having a different experience than Yuri is over in Russia. He might be having his own experience of Russia, but we are one connected body of, of humankind having one experience with the mother nature. And so if you look at the cycles of nature, and I don't know, I didn't hear anyone come from down under, but there could be, I get a lot of often people from Australia on calls. But so if you think about a cycle of nature, so there is, you know, in the, in the hibernation time of winter, we hibernate. And then in the spring, we plant new seeds. And then in the summer, those seeds grow. And if you've ever tended to your garden, you're out there weeding a lot, right? And then we come over to the fall where, where things start to wither and die uh, in our bodies. Look at, as you get to be 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever, your body starts to change and you start to get into that cycle. Well, many of, most people heard about the Mayan calendar that ended a few years ago, but listen, they were, they were predicting these things eons ago. Like, so if we could just change the passion play a couple of years, give or take a minute, you know, time is a little bit relative in these, in these conditions. But one thing we all do agree upon is that we are in the fall moving into the winter cycle of our humanity. So these last 12,500, 14,000 years, we've been in this industrial, we've been in farmers, we've been on all of these things that have, have kind of grown up from where we became hunters and gatherers into farmers, where we started to own land. And then we moved into an industrial age and now we're into a technological age. So those are all, if you put them on your scale of, of, um, of that bigger cycle calendar, you see, oh, well, you know, what's at the other side of the technological age is a lot of change, a lot of, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of change because I don't know if any of you have watched that social dilemma. I was watching it last week and I thought like, oh, they're gonna AI some shamanic practitioners here um, that we've never been, we've never been at the, at our own brink of this kind of, they call it Anthropocene, where we have enough knowledge and enough stuff to really, you know, do ourselves in as humanity. And you might think, well, that sounds a little doomsday, Renee. We wanted some tools to navigate this. Well, we're gonna be navigating this for a long time. And the truth of the matter is, is we get to choose, do we walk a path of peace? Do we walk a path of balance? Or do we wanna be part of that disruption? Because the disruption's happening. Think about the fall leaves. If we're over in the fall, moving into the winter, all of those colorful fall leaves are falling down. What happens? Then there's a death and decay. So what we're seeing is the breaking down of systems. We're seeing it on the, on the large scale with these young people coming in who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and sex and, and the process addictions because the old system is decaying in there. So there's nothing, nothing over there. There's not a, like a good solid tree branch to hang on to in the midst of that. That's why I'm here to teach you some tools for, for this kind of time period. And it's not, it's not bad or good. That's the thing is, is we like to see everything as black and white, especially for addicts. This is good or this is bad. No, it just is nature. 
This is nature occurring as nature's will occur. And so there's some things that you can do to be better equipped for these times. And, you know, whereas where when people wanted to get into really disruption times, like, I don't know, there was a, a, a there was a, for example, there was a debate. And the night that there was a debate, I decided to take a wind walk. I thought, if I'm tuned into my own special space, I don't need to know what chaos is ensuing somewhere else where I have really nothing to say or no control over, you know, and I'm not an avid watcher of it. And, you know, sure enough, I got the tune, oh, this was just chaos and, and a bunch of nonsense going back and forth. When, when I'm attuned to nature, I don't need the television to tell me what's going on in the world. My shaman teacher used to talk about, he'd come to Peru and the elder would be down in the village, like two day walk to the village. And he'd say, oh, it's so nice to see you. I knew you were coming. And he'd say, well, you don't have phone. You don't have anything. And he would say, the river told me, the stars told me. So the wind tells me. So the thing is, is that you can listen to the wind and you can get all of the information that you need. Now, there are some tools that you can use um, to do this. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of the time doing is we're going to actually have an experience of, uh, of a shamanic practice. So some of the tools we use before we go into that journey, and it'll be a short journey, is there's divination. I use these divination cards. Um, you know, Lisa said she was moving. I pulled the card and what it was, it was somebody on the move. So that's how it works. Shamans, what they use is they use drums and rattles. Now, for those of you in treatment, one of the things that I've learned working with addicts is the, the, the rattle can be very disruptive to a, um, a borderline personality or somebody who isn't stable enough in their system that they can be really triggered by the rattle. So if you're going to take this into, um, into, your, into your treatment center, be really, what I used to do when I'd go into the alumni group over when I worked at Michael's house is I'd ask, hey, I'm going to take this rattle. Tell me if it's so disruptive to anyone so that they could, they would certainly tell you, but the rattle is a great, is a great disruptor of the mind. And so what it does is it can break apart your, your thought patterns enough to alter your perspective. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to alter our perspective. We're going to go on a journey. And a journey is, um, think about in your minds, in a, your third eye, you have this extra visionary thing where you go in and actually, and it could be your imagination. You know, it doesn't have to believe that you, all you have to do is imagine that you're going somewhere, trust that it's happening and it will happen. A lot of times shamans will get, they'll work with uh, power animals and they will work with like, uh, they'll call upon a power animal for, uh, to help do their work on their behalf. So in my work, I call upon the wind to work in my behalf. So people will call me up for energy and I will blow the wind whistle 
And why don't you do, right now, I'm gonna blow the wind whistle for you. Close your eyes if you can, not if you're driving, Dr. Elena. Uh, close your eyes and I'm gonna blow the wind whistle and we're gonna see it moving right up our chakras. And do you know where your chakra centers are, everyone? Anyone, I'll review them. So your first chakra is right about uh, an inch, two inches above your pelvic bone. Your second chakra is about three fingers above that. Your third chakra is um, about your solar plexus right here. Your fourth chakra is your heart center. Your fifth chakra is your throat. Uh, your sixth chakra is your third eye. And then your, your seventh chakra is your God chakra, the one that keeps you connected to the divine. So I'm gonna play the wind whistle. And what I'm gonna do for each of you, because somebody asked, is I'm going to clear your chakras. And so as I blow the wind whistle, I'm gonna go in reverse and imagine the chakra be going counterclockwise, unraveling it, and we're gonna use the wind to clear it out. We don't care about, shamans really don't care about the story. There's this old saying that this shaman once, this guy came to see the shaman, he cleared him. The guy came back to see the shaman again, he cleared him again. The third time the shaman took out a knife and cut him. And the guy was all pissy about, why'd you take out a knife to cut me? And the shaman said, cause you forgot that you got healed. So no matter what happens for you, when I blow these, this wind whistle, I want you to experience yourself being cleared. Close your eyes. We're going to start with the, the chakra at the base of your spine. That's your primal chakra where fear lives and abandonment lives. A lot of times you'll have clients really get stuck there. The second chakra. That's your creativity chakra. A lot of those are going a little bit cleaner than the, the base one. Now we're gonna go up to your third chakra. This is your power center. A lot of gunk gets stuck here, so let it go. This is where there's a real, in this group, there's a lot of stuff in your third chakras. And this is believing the things, the things that we can't control. This is where our control is. So let it go. And we're going to move up to our heart chakra.
This is where our love, our universal love, our self-acceptance. Now we're gonna go up to our throat chakra. lot of stuff there too because of all the things we can't say you know all the things that we haven't been able to say recently because we're fighting with our neighbors and we're fighting with everyone it's stuck right here i'd say we have a collective stuck throat chakra remember breathe peace out into the world and speak peace and now we're going to go with our third eye Our imagination centers are looking good. And now we're gonna do our crown chakra. This is the one that connects us with the wind and spirit. And I'm gonna move right into a shamanic journey since we've got everyone nice and clear. Keep those eyes closed. You should feel pretty open. And this is a middle world journey. Some journeys take you to the lower world. Some journeys keep you in the middle world. And some journeys are destiny journeys that will take you to a higher realm. A journey is just an alternate space. And the portals are open. You can start to learn how to traverse these, these spaces. So imagine yourself in your favorite place in nature and trust whatever comes. Some people hear, some people see, some people know, some people smell. Some people think nothing's happening and that's okay too. And in front of you there's a path. And start to head down that path. And as you're heading down the path, look around for a signpost. And notice, is the sun setting? Is the sun rising? Is there a favorite? body of water. Yeah. Am I heading north? Am I heading east? Am I heading south? Or am I heading west? And the important thing is, is to trust the first thing that comes in. Don't second guess. And then we're going to come back to the space of time that's now. 
and some of you may or may not have downloaded this worksheet in here. If you just have a piece of paper or take out your phone and notate, did you, were you heading north? Were you heading east? Were you heading south? Or were you heading west? How many people were heading north? Raise your hands. Okay. How many people are heading east? Anyone going east here? South? Some south? Some west? All right. So this is one of my navigational tools, and I'm going to tell you, and you, you can download the sheet later, and you can go through, do this. You can do this when you're at Trader Joe's at the supermarket and getting <laughs> aggravated in the line. You can close your eyes and see what way you're heading really quick, and it's going to give you an indication of what's going on in your life right at this moment. So for those who, who, who were heading um, north, this is about, this time of change for you is about community and support. And so you may feel like you're not being supported in your community, or you might feel like it's really a time to delve deeper into more deep, deeper spiritual work. And this whole time of uh, 2020 could have felt like a really big spiritual test for you. Am I staying the course? Am I on track? And so the North is, is about the community buy-in as well. So if you're heading North and you're trying to launch a product or a project or something, and you're not getting that community buy-in, it might be time to, to, to let that go and move forward. Those of you who are heading East, it's about your mind, memories, and beliefs. So that, that territory might be about, you know, old beliefs that need to go. I'm not going to be taken care of. I'm not going to have enough. I'm not okay. I'm not going to be, you know, all of those, those thoughts. For those of you who are heading south, it's about your emotional needs and desires. Are you being, are you, are your needs being um, tended to? Are you being, are your needs being, are you feeling that you're being, getting what you need and what you desire? For those of you who are heading west, it's about the physical body endings and rewards. It's about, wow, I'm just coming through and I, I can harvest. This year I'm harvesting a full field or this year I'm harvesting a fallow field. It's okay. Some of those years you have to harvest a fallow field, turn over the earth so that you can then, um, then you can plant a new crop next year. Endings are really are blessings because uh, I shared an article with you also in the in the, the in the email about you know and nothing can come to be without an ending. So for those who are going through that ending process, to understand for me, if I understand where I am in the process, then I know what I'm dealing with. Am I dealing with my mind? Am I dealing with my emotions? Am I dealing with, you know, my body or am I dealing with a spiritual thing? We're not promised any spiritual, you know, the, the more you recover doesn't mean the less your spiritual walk is going to be any less hard. It means you're going to have the tools to deal with it. So this was just a little shamanic exercise of journeying out of this time and space to get a perspective of what you're doing. 
Um, and then, so I gave you the sheet. And if, if any of you are called to feel like you want to go a little deeper in holding space, I do an event every December called the I Am Symposium, where we actually keep our light burning. We show up in ceremony for the world for 10, 11, 12 days with a candle, a light burning, so that we become that vessel of light because it's a dark time. Well, you know, think about going from the fall into the winter. We need our lights to shine even brighter. We need addicts to heal. We need, we need to deal with these things that are going on in our world because we need to come together. Remember, we're, we're one human body having one experience with nature. And, and that's all I really have. Um, you know, I made a whole list of tools that you can use. And, and uh, Natanya, that, that lunch, someone's going to win some of that nice herbal uh, essential oils. Those are really good. You know, that sometimes we need our cords to cut, you know, and you can do that with your hand and your, you know, cut cords. Uh, I have some sage that I picked up here. It's always nice to clean the energy, especially especially in some of our treatment rooms to go through with some sage to open the windows to let the energies go it's not if there's energy there it's that there are energies there and the the more we become to recognize that you know you think about that person who can come in and, and throw a shit storm into the into the room and that energy lingers there's those people you like to be around and those people you don't so you want to clear that out there's spritzers. This one, uh, Brooke, you're down in Florida. This one is a Florida water. And this is like a something shaman juice to clear the space. And it's really a powerful if it's been really tense. Um, oh, you know what my favorite tool is? Wait, where is it? Is to carry a black rock in your car, especially those of you who live in Los Angeles. This black rock. What you do is you hold it in your right hand and you say, anything that is not mine, go into this black rock right now. I release all the energy that's not mine into the black rock. My one of my shamanic teachers said that if you do healing work with people and if you're a therapist, you're, you've been in the treatment center, if you've been in the treatment center for an hour, you should be carrying your black rock for 10 minutes afterwards. So 10 minutes for every hour of the day. So I just carried around in the car. And when I'm feeling stressed, I just hold on to my black rock. All the energy that's not mine goes in there. <sighs> Use my breath and it's expedient. I mean, you can, you know, the wind whistle I played are something that I sell. One of the nice things about the wind whistle is that when I blow it, I come back to my center. It's the breath, it's the exhale. So these are just a few of the things. Another thing that you can do with is just jump up and down 10 times to be replanted on the earth. Cause so many of us have suffered so much trauma that our most initial response is to leave our bodies. How many of you leave your bodies at will? All of a sudden I'm like, oh, I must be over there. You know what? Jump up and down 10 times, you'll be back in your body in no time. All right, I'm open for questions or comments. Um, that's all I really had.
Stay connected with us during the middle of the week over at the Facebook group, The Wind Clan, and also make sure to pick up your copy of Winds of Spirit, Ancient Wisdom Tools for Navigating Relationships, Health, and the Divine at your favorite bookseller. I'm Renee, the Practical Shaman, and until next time, may the blessed winds be with you.